Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. Hey guys, this is Ruben Dua from Dub. This is uh, Dub's podcast, and today we are super lucky to have Anina Net. Um, Anina comes to us as a model, as a technologist, and as the CEO of 360 Fashion Net. And she has a very exciting event, a summit actually, that's coming up, which I'd love to learn more about. And then I'd love to learn a little bit about her origin story and her passion and some of the things that she's got going on in her life. So I'll let her do an introduction. Hey, Ruben, super big fan of you and your company. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm Anina and uh, yeah, I have this amazing summit coming up uh, Saturday and Sunday, July 20th and 21st, diversity meets technology and uh, lots of speakers, diverse technologies, uh, diverse people, and also, you know, diversity and inclusion because being a woman in tech, you know, I think that we need more diversity, creating uh, new services and new opportunities for the different kinds of people that are out there. So in this online summit, it's the kickoff to my New York Fashion Week extravaganza. And so, yeah, a little bit about me is uh, my background is as a fashion model and uh, my family were computer engineers and I took a left at the Paris catwalk to their horror <laughs> and, cool. uh, and became a, a model. And why? Well, because, you know, my brothers didn't want to become fashion models, but what girl would like give up the chance to walk at the Paris fashion shows? So I took that left. And, uh, and now what's really interesting is that this, uh, innate passion for technology has ended up in a company, in products, and in encouraging more women to get into tech. Wow, that's, that's a really, really interesting convergence. Um, I mean, how, what, was your, what would you say your, your inspiration, your catalyst for that was? Did, you, did an opportunity kind of stumble upon you, or is it something that you pursued early on? Well, I believe that modeling actually prepared me to be an entrepreneur. And uh, I've modeled my whole life. And then the only other thing was when I reached the height of my career, I thought, I can't go any higher. Well, I'll just take a step to the side and become a CEO. Because as I was coming up in this world, I had no role models. There weren't any girls that I knew that liked technology. You know, I was always with guys and brothers and of course that made me more of a tomboy but uh, at the same time it made me kind of friendless as i was so geeky and then as i became a fashion model i used technology to get ahead faster because i knew how to configure my phone at that time there was no interoperability and every time you switched into a new country like you had to reconfigure all your phone right and so I was always sending data or creating a WAP site and then a 
micro site and a mini site and then a, finally a website all with my phone because I didn't have enough money to buy a computer. And then technology was sort of like, you know, my safe haven, my place where I could stick my head in the computer and get on some, you know, hacker group or chat area and talk to people that didn't really judge me because they couldn't see me for my hair color, my nose shape, my hip size and all of that. And instead we would like talk about, you know, how do you do this and TCP IP protocol and, and all types of things. So it was really like this kind of cool balance that whenever I would get like super demotivated in modeling because I would get a no, 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 then I would stick my head in the computer and be able to build things and build up my self-esteem. And at the same time, staying online 24 hours and not socializing with people in reality is also not very healthy. So then the modeling would bring me out of that world and back sort of face to face with people. So I feel like it was this really great balance, but I could do business faster than other models, than other people. And that's why it helped me propel me to, you know, be able to succeed. Wow, that's very interesting. What, what was the catalyst for this uh, summit that you're having? Diversity meets technology. Yeah, so along that journey of, um, of creating technology and, uh, and, and actually it was Nokia Corporation that was the first company that ever took me seriously. Um, I have a really good knack for getting past secretaries when I, when I phone. And huh. so I like picked up the phone and, you know, got Yorma Alila on the phone. Mm. And I was like, you have these 3GP files embedded into a website. And I don't know how to do that. And you have no documentation about it. I have a blog and I need to get these videos about my modeling up there online. And, and he was like, who is this? And I was like, my name is Anina. I'm a fashion model. I need to get these things out of my phone. There's no way to get this stuff out of my phone. There's nothing out there. Long story short, he actually, you know, connected me to their R&D department and I ended up doing lots of projects with them. They educated me, they included me in conferences, they uh, gave me free trips to their training sessions. Um, they just gave me so much exposure to future technology. I signed so many NDAs, like I knew the future. I was like a soothsayer, you know? And so I believe that if we give exposure to high technology to people who normally would not be able to have that exposure, we will build up new services and new opportunities that serve the needs of women, minorities, LGBTQ, uh, people with Down syndrome, you know, whatever the special needs or the specialized area is. And so if we only ever have one type of person programming, developing, creating, they only have one story to tell Ruben. Mm. They only have their person, you know, perspective on life. And isn't it our perspectives that then allow us to see the niches where technology could solve a problem. 
And so diversity meets technology is really about what happens when diverse people, diverse technologies, diverse ideas all come together. And I would say it's really what my 360 fashion and tech events are about. It's just this year, I'm putting this message in the forefront. That's fascinating. It's as I as I speak to you, I realize that there's so many facets to to your talent. I mean, you're a humanitarian, you're a technologist, you're a CEO, you're a model, you're a video editor, you're a deal maker, you're a visionary. How do you do all that? I mean, give us give us some advice. I mean, you 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 I'm sure you travel a lot. I'm sure you're dealing with people a lot, but then your head's down when you need to be. How do you do it? Well, I would say that, you know, we are intrinsically maybe different that, you know, women wear a lot of different hats, right? <laughs> and we are multifaceted in our, um, in our roles that we play. Again, there's like a difference between maybe men and women. It has been stereotypically said that men can only concentrate on one thing, whereas women are multitaskers, you know? And so I just... Uh, have this ability to do a lot of things at once and maybe I don't advance as fast as you Ruben because with single-minded focus like a samurai you know <laughs> you can cut through but at the same time my thing is more like a my, like my logo this spider web that everything is a system and it all advances at the same time and it's all interconnected so that's really sort of uh, what, if you look at my old videos, I have a trailer for 360 Fashion that says the interconnectivity of the human spirit. Mm. Because if you look at the fractilic patterns of the world, everything really is interconnected. That whole like a butterfly flap its wings in China and tsunami happens over in California, you know, it's actually technically true because on a molecular level, we literally are connected. So if that is the case, we're also individual and, and we all have our perspectives. So, you know, there are things that I give up that maybe you didn't, perhaps you have a family and a wife, right? So that's one aspect. I don't really have that. So I spend my time in other ways, creating things and, you know, building stuff. So. I think that we all make choices about how we want to express ourselves in the world and uh, they play out in different ways. But if we do not expose the technology to all those different kinds of people, we will only ever get the same results. Isn't there that saying that's like, do the same thing again and you always going to get the same result or something like that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's that's the definition of sanity and insanity, <laughs> expecting a different result from the same variable. So, no, I love that. Um, well, I'm going to add um, philosopher to the list. <laughs> um, but uh, you, I had a chance to see um, on your website, uh, anina.net, but also what you're wearing right now, the hat and the neck piece and... This is phenomenal stuff that I haven't really seen before. When I think of fashion and I think of technology, I think of, you know, just very recently, I feel like these two areas have, have kind of converged, but it's not necessarily in the aesthetic component of 
um, of the fashion. It's really in the way in which we're matching fashions to people like um, Stitch Fix and all these great uh, startups. But what I think that you are doing really interestingly and quite well is is actually creating um, fashion that has a technological component on your website. That beautiful shot of you, that headshot of you has, you know, a necklace that's lit up and then the neck piece that you're wearing now and then the hat. Speak to that. So um, just as an example, you know, not everything has to be like super connected to the Internet. This is like a material innovation, but you would think it was gold and hard and metal if you saw me in person. Right. But the, the thing is, is that it's electroplated in gold. And then we have a laser machine that we built that's portable that then we can laser etch any design into this. And at first I made chokers and I made bracelets. And then one day I was like, hey, would that be cool to be put on a hat, you know? And then I made this hat and I wore it around and people would run after me in the street. Now we're gonna produce them and launch them during the fashion week, right? But it's like this material innovation that allows the highly light conductive uh, conductivity and then the ability to customize, you know, is really its advantage. And everyone is really up for personalization. And I think light is something magic, right? A lot of people think, of course, of Burning Man, of like really blinking lights like a neon sign. I don't think people want to, unless you are at Burning Man, you know, unless that is the the um, the dress code. Yeah. I think so that people want to have things that are fashionable, but maybe a little bit touch of futurism or light or magic to them. The same with uh, the Metagem ring. Uh, I don't Ooh. know if you can see it, but it, it, it's a smart safety ring and uh, it just looks like a ring and it's a gem. And when you have it connected to the app and you press it, uh, you touch it, it will send a text message with the geolocation to your designated person uh, if you need some help. And so again, it just looks like a ring. And so like nobody would really know because I've been attacked uh, as a fashion model, you end up going to really dodgy places because photographers always have studios and like super dodgy places. And if you're a starting out model, you don't have money to take a taxi. Mm. So you're on the bus, you're bussing it. So, you know, I have been attacked and so I, I wanted to build something that was beautiful, but that really could be used for women who are maybe meeting people that um, they don't know, or, you know, those very classic dinners with oligarchs where you want to escape the situation very <laughs> elegantly and quickly, you know, <laughs> whatever it may be, you know, or a real estate agent going very late at night to meet a customer that um, she may not know. Or me coming back, I hack at um, Noisebridge, which is in the Mission, which is such a scary place in the dark. And and if I hack all night and I go to the subway at like five in the morning, it's I I walk down the middle of the street. I run down the middle of the street because I'm so terrified. Because on one side there's like dodgy guys hanging out on the corner whistling at me at five a.m. and there's derelict drunken people on the. I mean, like I literally go down the middle of the street running. And now I just set my ring to the last person who's who's also hacking. And uh, and I say, hey, will you listen out for me? I'm going to walk to the subway now 
and I'm going to go home. So will you, you know, keep an ear out? And if I did press that and he would know that I needed help, he's very near. And then on the other side, my Airbnb, you know, if I didn't show up, how many days do you think before that guy would be like, I haven't seen Anina in a few days, you know, mm. maybe four days. And then he'd be like, call me, you know, like I could be like totally gone, you know, before anybody would notice. So I guess it just come out of my lifestyle that I built all of these products because sadly, there just isn't anything out there that I want to wear. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of it, you know, form and function. And in this case, it's really hard to accomplish these two goals. You know, in this case, it's a it's a safety device. And how do you make that look good? I mean, when I think of the the tile little chips, that's not something that's wearable. I mean, that's something that you hide or you put on a keychain, but you've really kind of broken that that mold. And that's that really impresses me. Well, the other thing is I got my wireless charging wallets because I'm always losing power. I don't know about your phone, but like yeah. with with all of the the struggle like, is real. <laughs> you know? I'm like on zero I'm like on permanent red, you know? It just <laughs> I don't know what happens. But that's why I was like, oh my gosh, I need to carry power with me. So then I created these wireless charging wallets. You can press here and hold down. Mm. turns red and then you put your phone phone on top and it starts charging boom oh and nice so i mean yeah. it looks like a clutch it looks like a little iridescent clutch yeah yeah it's a travel portfolio actually and uh here you can see i really do use it and it saves me so much time in the airport i just sit down and uh charge my phone up rather than squatting, you know, by the charger yeah. on the side, you know, um, and, and it saves me all the time. And then when I arrive in uh, Beijing or, you know, San Francisco or wherever, then I don't have like this, this power problem, which is again, something which can make life easier for me. And it's 5,100 milliamps and super lightweight. People are like, is there anything in there? So, I, I think it comes out of how I live my life, and that's why I can build these technologies that suit me. I love to go out at night and look elegant. I want to be safe, and I need power. These are these are big problems that you're solving. I love that. And then where can we where can we buy some of these products? So we have a shop uh, shop dot three sixty fashion dot net, and uh, for the New York event, as I mentioned. We're coming out with like a whole bunch of other stuff that's going to blow your mind, Ruben. Wow, that's exciting. Can you give us a little sneak peek and also a little plug for that event? Oh, um, yes. So I won a grant. I, uh, I'm a German citizen and I won a grant for innovation. And uh, I built a jacket, suit jacket for hotel managers and retail that has a embroidered touchpad in the arm and uh, you can touch it and then your ambiance will change the lighting will change the music change the temperature rise and fall because if like 80 sweaty Japanese come into your hotel like you want to make them feel comfortable right mm. because they're going to be waiting in line there's going to be a backup and so the other thing you can do with it is you can 
call a robot that brings you a drink. Oh, wow. So I'm in the process now in the marathon to build this robot and present the jacket and the robot at the diversity meets technology events in New York. And one of the things that we're doing is I worked like two years, three years to build these fashion tech maker kits. Cause I was like, why am I building all this stuff by myself? Why is no one else doing this? I'm not even a fashion designer. I'm a fashion model. I work with designers. I help them integrate electronics into their stuff. Right? So I realized hardware was hard. And so I put together these kits that all snap together and you don't have to know how to code. You have this like drag and drop interface and the robotic dress kit is the first kit that's ready. And we have three fashion designers who are testing them out. And then we're gonna launch 20 robotic dresses on the catwalk at the Melange fashion show on September 6th. And we're gonna have a hackathon with Amazon on the 6th in the morning. And then we'll take the hacked dresses to the runway. And the Melange fashion show is really special. They're out of San Francisco and they're famous for diversity and inclusion. They were some of the first people to put plus size models on the runway, to have black models, to really like have LGBTQ. And so I'm really proud to work with some of their designers and also bring ours to that show. I think it's going to make a really big splash. And then on September 8th and 9th, uh, at Notel, we will have an exhibition where you can come and see the robotic dresses and you can take some workshops and we will have some speakers. And of course, Dub, thank you, is one of our sponsors to give a Dub account to the hackathon. Yes, yes it is. Tell me what a robotic dress is. Uh, you know, like... Okay. So uh, one, uh, so Yang Mei is the designer that is head of my uh, fashion tech lab, and she is making uh, these dresses that are inspired by the ocean, and they they're all out of organza, and they move like this, and the idea. Uh, is and they move like this. We got this one called seaweed, this one called fishtail, and then we have like this one which is called uh, a jellyfish. Mm. <laughs> Looks like a jellyfish, I guess. But the idea is that then they could be connected to the cloud and they could be reacting and visualizing some ocean data, some, you know, when the plastic is you know, percentages go really high, maybe, you know, all of the robotic stuff sort of fades down, you know, but when maybe the ocean data is better and the coral reef is better, then maybe they just start moving in a, in a better way. So it's, it's just a difference between, you know, again, like you could do it with LEDs, you could do it in that way, but I just thought robotic dresses are so cool. That's and very cool. So, so they react, they react to certain stimuli parameters. Uh, they have sensors in it too. So, okay. so I know everyone criticized me. It was like, 
robotic dresses, who's going to wear that? Who would, who would ever wear a robotic dress? Well, actually, if you had no arms and you were, your dress detected that you were hot and that you were sweating and that your heart rate was elevated and you had like, let's say just a, like a collar here, you know, why your collar couldn't just start moving and fanning you? Where is that different than, you know, have you seen everybody in, in China right now? They wear these things around their neck with these fans on. Oh, yeah. Even like hats with fans on them now. Yeah. So, like that, that's so ugly. Why, why couldn't my, you know, my dress gently move and be creating a breeze? I'm just saying if I didn't have an arm. And uh, another uh, designer, Claire Cattersall in New York. Uh, her concept is the piano dress. Ooh. So it has touch sensors in it. So when you touch it, piano sounds come out of it. And then the other two dresses, um, they have like leaves and vines on them. Kind of reminds me of like sitting on the porch, you know, in the South, drinking a mint julep, playing the piano. Those, those two sort of willow tree nature ones, they react to the music and they will move uh, in different ways if it's, you know, not nice music or, you know, punk rock music versus soft music. They will move and expand and change shape like wind, you know. So that's another kind of a concept of how clothing can interact with each other. And then Christian Bruns in Berlin, I haven't heard his concept yet, but I'm sure it will be fantastic. He's he actually made these first designs on our jewelry and people chase me down the street for them. He, everything he makes, people want. It's crazy. And that's available. Um, so the, the, the choker is available on shop.360fashion.net. Yep. And the robotic dresses, they are on the Maker, Maker Kit site, which is 360fash.com. 360fash.com. Dot com. Okay, very cool. Got that. Um, one of the themes that I'm noticing in your inspiration is nature. So I keep hearing that where um, we talked about butterflies and we talked about wind, we talked about fish, we talked about water. Talk to me about how nature inspires and influences the stuff that you come up with. Well, I mean, is it, aren't we living in the most incredible robotic suit on the planet? You know, I mean... <laughs> Yeah. I just sometimes contemplate my hand, you know, and the the fingerprint. You could spend an hour just contemplating a fingerprint, you know, and how it, every fingerprint in the whole world is different. I mean, that's just mind-blowing, you know? Yeah. Um, not to mention all the things we can do in this incredible body. Um, and then if you contemplate nature, for example, um, you know, tree leaves uh shapes and uh and even fish bones and whatever whatever else i think there's just so much beauty in that that then of course gets translated into design i think it's not just nature it's just those were some of the topics chosen by young may and claire uh i guess i'm more of a cyberpunky kind of person so, you know, I'm like ghost in a shell and robots and, and more like metal and steel kind of things. So 
I think that uh, it's really important though that our clothing could interact with the environment. In the online summit, Ricardo Onassissimo, one of the very famous fashion technologists on the planet from Polka Lab, um, he made a experimental costume that reacted to the health of the coral reef. When the coral reef was really healthy, you'll see it, it made this beautiful pattern uh, on this jacket, beautiful pattern with different colors and, and super magical. But when coral dies, he said, it turns white. So when the coral reef data was bad or in different parts of the coral reef, it would, it would die, then that part of the jacket would go white. And it's a magical story how he tells it. And I think that it's so amazing. What if we um, had clothing, which you know would bring consciousness to how we are treating the planet? And what if everybody had a coral reef or all those people who care about the coral reef had a piece of clothing that would tell them in real time in an artistic way, you know, the status of that? Maybe we would be more conscious about how we, you know, what we put out in the world, how we use plastic, what we're doing. But because it's kind of like this abstract thought, oh, the coral reef in Australia somewhere over there, you know, doesn't really touch us. But it, his philosophy was if it was on our body, it would have more meaning. Well, I mean, that's really interesting. I mean, this whole idea of biomimicry as as it pertains to how we're reacting to nature and to certain stimuli around us i mean that's exactly what happens in nature i mean if someone is feeling shy you know they look different if someone's feeling confident they look and feel different i mean it goes down to a hormonal level even you know i remember growing up i used to be a big fan of hypercolor i don't know if you remember that i think it was gotcha that was a brand that i was a big fan of um, being a, a Valley boy, a San Fernando Valley boy um, in the 80s. And there was this brand where if you, the, the fabric essentially would change colors in reaction to your temperature and the temperature outside and how moist your skin is. And I was a huge fan. I had all these shirts with hypercolor in it. It was sort of like a mood, mood ring that you could wear. And then all of a sudden, poof, it was gone. Once the 80s were done and, you know, neon fashion was gone, it was gone. And I have not seen it since and i miss it terribly because there was something so interesting about it you know i felt like a lizard where i could you know either inadvertently change colors or you know actually warm up my body and kind of rub an arm and show a different uh color i miss that so i really like what you're doing and i'd love to see where you're going to explore this and where you're going to take it so i'm very curious about you uh, okay. I, I am super impressed. I feel as a CEO, you have such a strong presence, like, and, and, and a leadership and what you've been doing with dub is really impressive. Uh, I have really enjoyed using it, uh, for a couple of things like, uh, in my opening speech, like the welcome speech by Sandy Carter on the, uh, diversity meets technology summit, right when it finishes playing then it pops up the register now button, you know, or the uh, uh, book now, you know, button. And 
I have seen people, you know, in the analytics actually clicking on that, or I used it to create a volunteer page because I'm looking for volunteers to help out at the uh, New York event. And so I made like a cool video with our robots and our dresses and models. And at the end, it pops up and is like volunteer now, you know? And so I've really enjoyed using that. Plus I using it for the summit for streaming the videos afterwards. And, and the interface is just really friendly. And uh, even once, sometimes I record videos that are way too long and your system <laughs> overloads and it explodes the browser. And then I was like to Heather, I was like, I can't lose that video, Heather. I can't lose the video. She just explained the robotic dresses. I can't lose that video. Huh. And then for three days, your team worked to 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 make this recovery link. And she's like, don't close the browser window. <laughs> I'm like, but we're going on third day. My computer might like get stopped up, you know? Like she's like, copy that link, you know, don't lose that link. And then boom, you guys sent me the link. I had to wait through the weekend. It was the longest three days, I'll tell you that, okay? I was really like so stressed, like I can't lose this video. She won't tell me all that story again because Claire's a little bit shy. And so like I got her explaining, you know, all the stuff and I was like, I can't lose that video. And then Heather was like, that video is three gigabytes. I mean, I was like, oh, really? Wow. You know? And but, how long was that video? And I, you know, I tried it once, it didn't work. She's like, try again, try again, refresh your browser, try again. She's like, it works. And I'm like, oh, this suck if it doesn't work because of China. Boom, it worked. And I got the video. <laughs> you saved the day, Ruben. That's awesome. I actually remember that story. I actually worked on that a little bit. There was an interest, that was, that was actually, I'm really glad that that happened because you know, it's it's these types of use cases and it's these types of um, friction moments that really help us to evolve the platform and to understand what the use cases are and what some of the limitations are and then how we can improve our technology to accommodate things like this. So that was actually a, a really good thing that happened. It was stressful for you and it was stressful for us. But from that, you know, good things happen and we evolved and now we can accommodate larger files. I always tell people, if you're going to be recording a video for more than, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, consider not using the cloud because, <laughs> um, because there's so many things that can go wrong when you're connected to the Wi-Fi. If there's one little, you mentioned TCP IP, that's a relevant technology when it comes to screen recording. And if there's one break, or if your cache gets full, or if your RAM gets full, or if there's a CPU limit, then weird things happen. So, um, you know, the other argument is how long should a video be? You know, what is the consumable amount of video footage that we can, as a human race, as educated individuals, you know, at what point do we drop off? You know, so these are these are well, interesting again topics. Again, another use case. Right now, I have to finish the summit, okay? And there's some people who are late in in, in doing the, their speeches. And yeah. my hard drive is completely full. So you saw me yesterday in the um, forum, in the Facebook group. I was like, does anybody know if I can download a video from Dub? Because I thought my only option is to do this with Dub, you know, recording my my screen because I had no space. I hounded this guy for three weeks, 
to get that appointment to finally like, hey, we need to do your speech, dude, you know? And, and then I had no disk space. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't ask to reschedule. And so then I was like, can I download a video afterwards from Dub? And, you know, then some people responded in the, in the, in the forum, but I just, uh, I love, like your videos. Uh, also, I learned that trick about um, Google Photos and oh, yeah. clips, you know? So I, I'm really curious about you because uh, you you look like you're ethnically diverse, but you're American. I'm really curious where you, where your family is from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm. I guess I'm an enigma. Um, I can I can play off a couple of different races. I my ethnicity is Indo-American. So my parents are from India. I'm from New Delhi and Punjab. I was born in the states. I was born in Santa Monica, and then I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. And, uh, you know, my thing growing up was I was really into, um, you know, skateboarding. I was really into, you know, the arts and I was really into technology. My first computer was the Apple 2GS, which was one of the very first Apple computers. Um, the, the, the computer did not have a hard drive, believe it or not. You mentioned your hard drive got full. Imagine having a computer that does not have a hard drive. You, you had ram and you had a disk drive so you put your disk in with and i remember i had the first version of photoshop on it which was really exciting and that's when i started to use photoshop and you would load the uh three and a half disk in there that floppy disk you'd load that in the program would get loaded into the ram you'd save your files into the ram you'd take your disk out and then if you had if you wanted to save your file you'd put another disk in and you would hope the program wouldn't crash because there was no hard drive on this computer, which is, it doesn't even make sense to me now. <laughs> but um, I, I broke that thing apart, you know, 16 times and I rebuilt it every single time. And, you know, I remember that's when I kind of fell in love with technology, similar to you. And, you know, I had just, it really catalyzed me to go on this journey of, you know, media and arts and expression and, you know, figuring out ways to make our lives easier and just for us to be able to communicate better. So, you know, a little bit of an early origin story for me. Um, I was, you know, very shy growing up, actually. You know, I, um, I you know, I kind of wish um, that now I wish sometimes that I had the technology that people have today to be able to communicate and be out there in the world. I mean, one of the themes of this conversation is diversity. And I think social media has 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 allowed us really to understand all the different types of diverse people that are out there you know ethnically and and preference and all sorts of things and you know um i think i guess a lot of my background was in this kind of homogenous situation where there wasn't a lot of diversity and i was that geek <laughs> And there weren't a lot of people like me. Um, but then, you know, when I started to realize that there was this whole world of technology and people that were really pushing the limits and really trying to, to, to embrace this, I don't know, renaissance lifestyle, this kind of nouveau modern renaissance lifestyle, um, and really push ground and innovate, um, that's when I realized that, you know, I needed to do something great in my life. And I think that's what really started me. My first internet startup was in 1998. It was a very early social network. People could build profiles and connect with one another. And it was a very kind of creative, um, interactive community. And um, it was also my first failure. 
And uh, I think a lot of, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, you wanted to learn a little bit about me. I think that a lot of what I have done comes from failure. It comes from learnings and it comes from figuring out ways to adapt and to rise like the Phoenix from the ashes and to really reinvent yourself um, and to allow yourself to be on your purpose. And, uh, and that's what I've done ever since those, those times. So what do you feel is your purpose? Really my purpose now, <clears throat> my purpose now is, is just to help people to communicate better, to help people to build relationships, to, you know, lose some of the friction that people are experiencing right now. There's, there's an overabundance of media an overabundance of noise. It's become very challenging as a solopreneur, as a small, medium-sized business. It's become very difficult to punch through, you know, and, and there's just so many things to do. You, it's a rabbit hole. The second that you want to get into marketing and building your website and maintaining your social presence, each and every one of those cannons is an entire world, an ecosystem, a black hole that you can enter into. And, and it's very difficult. It's very difficult to kind of juggle all those things. And, you know, I think we've been taught that, you know, we should really specialize in one or very few things in this day and age. And that that kind of specialization is really what's going to help us to transcend and to progress within our careers. And I, I completely disagree with that. I don't think that I think that generalists are the ones now that are really succeeding because you know, it's not about being a specialist in one particular thing. It's about being a communicator and it's about being someone that can grow a business and someone that can affect people's lives positively. And in order to do that, you need to be on social and you need to do video content. You need to have your technology and you need to have your relationships and you need to travel and, you know, you need to learn how to innovate and, uh, and at the same time, not go crazy and have fun in the process. Um, so, you know, so I, I was inspired by, by some of the things that you were mentioning where, you know, you're, you're juggling and you're doing a lot of things. And I think that that is a great inspiration, um, for a lot of people. And I think that more people need to really push, um, push boundaries and get out of that complacent place to be able to go and edit a video or, you know, write a blog post or shoot a video or host an online summit or host an event in Milan or New York city. So one of the things that I think is really interesting about what you said is that you had a computer at a very early age. And me too. My father was a, a mathematics teacher and a mathematician. And so he, um, we always had computers. Uh, we always had technology. Uh, it's like technological spoon in my mouth. I mean, and we had stuff and then other people didn't. And I didn't really understand that. But you know, in that book, Outliers, um, it talks about why um, Bill Gates became Bill Gates is because he used to sneak out of his dorm and then he would go to, you know, be in the, the big room with the computer was with the punch cards, right? And so he got his 10,000 hours of practice in, just like maybe you did and I did, uh, that, that then helped us get ahead and understand the things faster and be able to use them. And so the first thing is that I think that this digital divide, uh, specifically between the haves and the haves nots, you know, uh, that, that oftentimes minority or fringe, fringe people or um, people with disabilities or whatever 
whatever it is that you know they're not the you know the the mainstream let's say with all the opportunities right uh i think that if we could get technology in their hands that uh, then would give them the 10,000 hours to solve the problems of the you know people behind them you know and um and i just really would like because i had that opportunity with you know nokia samsung intel ibm all of my clients i had that opportunity they trained me they gave me exposure uh, they opened my mind they i was in conferences you know and so uh, i do think that sometimes uh, life the universe and everything chooses uh, the most unlikely characters to to deliver the message or to do to climb the mountain you know who would guess that a fashion model would do technology you know that that would be impossible fashion models are stupid you know uh, who would believe that uh, you know someone from a diverse ethnic background could create something that would you know change the world so I think that giving this exposure and not not um, not what's the opposite of inclusion exclusion yeah. thank you not yeah. excluding people like my dad never excluded me when my brothers went to code camp i went to code camp it was like expected there wasn't ever any question that i wouldn't go to summer camp and take the coding class you know mm. that it wasn't that that when like the hard drive was broken and he was going to fix it and he was like hey kids come over he wasn't like hey kids but not you he was like hey kids come over come here you need to learn how to see i'm doing this you know whether it was wood shop or fix a car or whatever it was like my stepdad you know i've changed an engine <laughs> at 14 you know with him under the car so giving and never excluding me from those non-traditional uh roles uh gave me the 10,000 hours to be able to then understand you know, what can I build? Gave me that uh, synopsis in my brain. Yeah, that's, gosh, that, there's a lot of <laughs> lot of things that hit home there. You know, I remember reading that book. Um, that's, this is, um, this is Malcolm Gladwell's book, um, Outliers. And he talks about the 10,000 hours where when someone hits a certain point of having experience within a particular area that they become a quote unquote expert at it. And they can, Kind of pursue that um the, that text was i think it's over over a decade old um i think what's changed a little bit now is that it's not just ten thousand hours in one field it's ten thousand hours in multiple fields and those are parallel tracks that are happening within our lives and uh you know whether it's social media or video or you know, neuroscience whatever it is that we're pursuing um you know we need to get gain that level of of, of expertise and i think I think the, the, the life hack is to speed up that 10,000 hours somehow, you know, because if you want, you know, you mentioned that you're, you're hosting your first um, summit. This is your first summit that you've hosted, right? Yeah. So you, you now have to become an expert in hosting an online summit. And I don't know who has 10,000 hours in that because it's kind of a new thing. So, so give us some pointers. How do you, how do you cheat that? How do you, you know, hyperlapse those 10,000 hours and become an expert. Do you just have to fail faster? I mean, what's the trick here? 
Oh, I mean, poking around. Yeah. <laughs> the same on your Curiosity. I never, I never read the manuals. Never. Maybe I'll watch a video, hence dub is yeah. <laughs> right track, you know, but I will never read a manual. Your help files, anybody's help files, unless you like give me the link. Okay, then I might be forced to, but I would rather you just tell me the answer so that I can hurry up. So a lot of that has to do with your customer support. And for example, the platform customer support of the, of the platform we were using, you know, I think I annoyed the crap out of them. And I found so many bugs. They call me Anina the bug finder. <laughs> and Nokia too. I would find bugs and stuff that like people never even knew there was a bug. I think it runs in my my family. But but yeah, I will be like, this is not working because I'm always like pushing and testing. And for example, I was like, I don't like the colors. And they're like, sorry, we can't change the colors. So then I was like, okay, there's this other software that allows me to change it. And they're like, oh, we're not compatible with that. And then I like emailed them together with the other company. And I was like, I need this to work. I need you to figure this out. You know, there's a lot of people like me out there and I need you guys to work it out. The same when uh, everyone in the group was like, can you make it compatible with Dub? Can you make it compatible with Dub? And then I tagged you and I'm like, Ruben, everybody wants this to happen. You need to make this happen. You know, like you need to talk to these people. You know, you've got a group of people here and we're all going to be using this. You need to to create the interoperability. And so, you know, for the online summit, we were using Dub and I tried to use another video platform and I couldn't even upload the videos, but in Dub it was like, you know? And, uh, and so whatever voodoo magic that you're doing, it, it, you're doing it well. And, and, and that is giving me the wings to go faster. Got it. It's about the tools. It's about the curiosity. Um, I really appreciate that you're not afraid to open up the hood and to see what's going on within that engine. I actually have a very similar experience to you, and I'm not using a metaphor here. As a 16-year-old, I had a Volkswagen Jetta. It was a 19, I think it was like a 1987 VW Jetta. And we got it from the salvage yard and it cost $1,800. That was, that was my budget and for a car when I was 16. And I remember um, getting into kind of a bad accident. It was on a windy road up in Santa Susana Pass up in, up in Chatsworth. Um, and I thrashed the car and uh, the engine basically fell out of it. And I said, listen, I like this car. It was stick shift. I like the stereo. I actually put the stereo in it. I said, I'm gonna take a summer. I'm gonna fix this car. So I went through that process and I fixed it. And I realized during that process that, you know, poking around, being curious and breaking things is really what has been my best friend in my, you know, technological journey. Because without that, you can't really make any progress, you know, um, you're just on the sidelines. And so I, I really connect to what you're saying. Yeah. I think the other thing is, is um, I do not learn by reading. I'm dyslexic. It's terrible. I sometimes like can't see the numbers and I see them all backwards and it's really painful. But um, and I can read like two sentences and then like I get really drowsy because it's so, so difficult for me. But um, but uh, so I learn really well apprentice to master. Like uh, when I was modeling in Milan, uh, I didn't know how to cook. And I didn't have enough money 
to, you know, go out and eat all the time. And there was this vegetarian restaurant and it was very expensive, but I, I was vegetarian, but so I went in there and I said, I said, I can't afford to eat here, but could I wash your pots? And then would you teach me to cook? And he was like, this, this, this guy, he was like, okay. And so, you know, after finishing my castings for the day or on the weekend, if I didn't have a job, because in the beginning of modeling, you don't have a lot of jobs. <laughs> and especially if you look different, it takes a bit longer. <laughs> so I would like wash pots and then be like looking over his shoulder, like, and he would bring me over and he would teach me how to cook tofu and seitan and teach me also the, um, the science of food, because macrobiotics, you can totally control your body. And of course, in, in, as a model, you need to control your, your body shape, size, and, and all of that. You know, It's either don't eat or control your body <laughs> with food. So I went the route of control your body with food because it's a lot healthier. Um, but learning apprentice to master is, is much faster, which is why I think video is so important. I would be like, how do I put a title on this Final Cut Pro, you know? How do I do that? And I would Google it, and then it would say, boom. I would just like, boom, watch the, the video, stop it when I was finished. Okay, I know how to do it, and then carry on. So that's how you accelerate. And thank God there are so many people out there that share their knowledge. Oh, my gosh, where would we be today if the media crew of you have to pay for everything, like if they were out there, and that was the law. Like, our digital divide would be so wide, it would be ridiculous. Well, especially now, I mean, with content marketing, with this whole idea of, you know, the death of the salesman and everything is becoming, you know, consultative online. And it's 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 becoming an overabundance of information. But, but at the same time, we need it, you know. And I'm on Google and on the Internet and on YouTube all day seeking, consuming content, trying to improve my skill set, trying to learn more. And then whatever stories that I have to share, I'm going through the same process. So it's 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 a fun process being so knee deep into it, you know, I think just like yourself. How do you break through, uh, Ruben? Because, for example, you know, when promoting the online conference, uh, you know, I, I, I need to get that viral effect, you know? Uh, that people start picking things up. Do you have any advice for for becoming viral, or or how do you get attention, or how do you you even now you post on my Facebook, half the people don't even see it. Well, yeah, that that whole idea of going viral. Um, actually, there's I've got a relevant text here for you. Let me see if I can find it somewhere around me. So. Um, I'm not really qualified to to say what going viral is, but perhaps these folks are. Um, this was, I don't know if you know this, it's called From Poop to Gold, The Marketing Magic of Harmon Brothers. <laughs> so so these are the guys that that did the, um, the Squatty Potty commercial, and they did the Purple Mattress, and they did a number of other really successful kind of viral campaigns. So interestingly enough, I, I've been in touch with them, and I've been chit-chatting with the CEO of Harmon Brothers, and He's actually going to be on this podcast soon. But, you know, their whole philosophy is make videos go viral. But the reality is that there's a ton of money that goes behind those videos, all these great quote unquote viral videos. There's the production costs of it and then there's the advertising costs of it. And it's extremely hard actually to get a truly organic video that has something commercial in nature. So the second that, you know, you're selling something 
becomes very difficult because people can see right through that. I mean, this is why cat videos and, you know, some of the videos, kind of the slightly garbagey, borderline videos that we see on Facebook, those people aren't selling anything. I mean, they're influencers and, you know, they're selling influence and content and, you know, they make their money on sponsorship. But aesthetically, it doesn't look like they're selling something. So you and I, as, you know, folks that are involved in businesses that have to monetize what we're doing, um, I, don't, I don't think that one should ever pursue that idea of going viral. Now, that said, you know, I think that through high quality content and through providing value and through, you know, creating truly unique experiences for people in life, I think that people are going to naturally gravitate towards them. I mean, this, this, the way that I gravitated towards you and your purpose and your cause and, you know, what it is that you're doing and then, of course, inviting you to the podcast um, you know, I think that you just need to figure out ways to scale that. And, uh, you know, for this particular summit, some of the ideas that come to my mind right now, and I'd love to get your feedback on this, is to, you know, to take your best possible, most exciting video. I just had a chance to watch the video on your website, anina.net, and I was just blown away by that. It was apparently it was sponsored by Intel and the music and, you know, the intellectual lines and the visuals. It was just stunning. So, Obviously, that was a whole production, and I'm sure it took weeks, and there was a budget behind that. But you know what you have been able to do visually through showing some of these great inventions that you've come up with, and through you and your personality, which I think is very interesting. I think people are going to gravitate towards that. So here's like three uh, very tactical ideas that you might consider. So the first thing to do is, you know, you're on a deadline now. You don't have a lot of time, so you need to live within the no edit realm right now you can't you can't go into final cut pro and start editing stuff it's just going to take too much time i mean unless it's a little logo or little cuts or a little kind of little stuff you need to come up with the no edit situation so um you know we mentioned nature i believe that you should be outside you know clouds sun trees nature air um show your best possible visuals you know, the, the the choker, the hat, you know, your story on diversity, a little bit of your origin story, and just give us a really tight 30-second video on exactly what it is that you're promoting and why you're so passionate about diversity, technology, fashion, and how these things converge. So, you know, that here, I'm going to call it the, the hero video. I'd love to see that hero video. And then get that on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, even medium as, as fast as you possibly can. And then I'm a big fan of just doing at mentions of anyone that's relevant in the comments. And, you know, I think you're really authentic and I think that you, um, you know, come off as a very sweet, very, you know, real person and lean into that completely. And, you know, I appreciate your honesty from the start. You, it's very obvious that you're honest about the things that you know and the things that you don't know. And I think that you're very open to getting feedback. So asking people for feedback on that cause, I think, is really valuable. So, you know, short video, LinkedIn, Facebook, all channels, and then the app mentions. I think that that's really cool. Um, I also think that capturing this video and then sharing it to your email list, I think that's also another high value thing that you can do. I'm sure you have an email list. I'm sure, you know, make sure it's opt-in. And then get that message out to people. Use Dub. Use any platform you'd like. You know, get that message out. Just have a very clear call to action. That's another thing. And then I think the third idea is kind of tap into this idea of FOMO, fear of missing out, you know, scarcity, 
and you know deals some sort of a discount so incentivize people to purchase to fill out that form to actually go down your funnel um, because there's limited number of spots and make that a real thing you know um, or because it's a discount or both of those things combined so tap into some of those kind of economic um, sort of tools um, and then once you do that process go redo it again again and again until the last possible moment. So don't rely on one touch point, you know, map out a strategy of three to six touch points throughout all channels. And, um, and then just ask all your friends for support and incentivize them and make it fun, make it social, you know, make, this is a story about you as an entrepreneur and as a visionary and people love to back people like you the same way that I'm doing that right now. Well, one of the things that inspired me to be, um, to, how to say, to, um, well, you said in this video, you made a video about be authentic. And a lot of times, uh, because I'm very much in the, you know, talking with big wigs and corporates and, you know, vice presidents and, you know, major Fortune 500 companies and so on, you know, at one point I thought, wow, maybe, you know, maybe I need to, you know, how on Instagram and stuff, people, people are like, everything is fine. Everything's great. I'm doing fabulous, you know? And at one point I said, okay, everything is not great. And I really do need help. And I, I'm going to, to be authentic and I'm not going to be one of the people that, um, fakes it till you make it. You said that in the video. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that although there may be people who consider me unprofessional or stupid or not capable because I admit that there are things I don't know how to do or that I, you know, didn't have time to learn, um, that'll be the risk. And so um, a lot of people looks like they got it all together and they never tell the flip side. Um, but, uh, but you said to be authentic. And since I have been being authentic, I feel better. Yeah. No, I love that. And I feel I have more sincere connection, even though I've never met you in person, but not just you. Many of the people that I interviewed, uh, Wanda L. Scott, I mean, she just spoke at the um, We Power Tech conference that I was invited to thanks to Sandy Carter, who snagged 500 tickets and gave them to women founders, gave me that opportunity to go to the Amazon reInvent, which that ticket cost three to five grand. And it put me in the room with all the top companies of the world. Like, they all know who I am now. And... Um, and and brought, invited me to the luncheon, the, the women's CIO luncheon, you know, where I sat in the room with all these like huge women of multi, multi, multi-level corporations, you know? And so um, when you sit in a room with a whole bunch of women who are that super, super together and wow, they got it together. They're like corporate job, make a ton of money leading the world, right? Because their programs have influence on thousands and thousands of people, uh, speaking on stage, of course, and then commandoing people underneath them, right? And then they have 
children and a husband and a job. I mean, I just don't know how they do that all, you know? And and then they're dressed impeccably, et cetera. And it's like, wow, is that only because they have a shit ton of money? <laughs> or is that, you know, because they've reached a certain level of mastery? But I don't often feel that I'm in that league. And then somehow I thought, you know, if I'm not, then I'm I'm in a league of my own. <laughs> yeah. Be true and break through. You know, that's that's the mantra. I mean, gone are the days where we can just put an image out there and um, expect for people to believe it because, um, you know, three clicks in, people are going to know that life is not always like that. And, you know, not to mention just what it what it's like from a perception standpoint. It's also the, the tax, the toll that it takes on us to kind of want to portray something and to be that perfect person, especially on social. Um, it's not good. It's not healthy. It causes a lot of problems. It causes mental health issues. It causes depression. You know, it just causes overall, you know, gloominess and sadness. And it's, it's not worth it because what's the point? What is, why are we even trying to portray that? I mean, it actually feels a lot better to show through the hopes, the fears, the trials, the tribulations, the, you know, when we fall back down and then get back up. I mean, those are the moments that I believe make us truly, you know, exceptional as a species, as a human race. You know, it's those reinvention moments and it's those survival moments. And and that's what people really connect to. I mean, it's the ideal story of the underdog. You know, I kind of realized somewhat recently that, you know, success, happiness to a certain extent, I mean, given within certain sort of health constraints and some kind of logistical things, happiness and success is a choice that we make. And wherever we want to be in society, um, to a certain extent, we can decide to be there and if we push ourselves towards that, and if we truly believe that that's where we belong and that's who we are, then we can most definitely accomplish that. But we don't have to fake it until we make it on the pro throughout the process. We can tell people that we're learning things and we're struggling and we're figuring things out and we need feedback. And I think people are going to be most receptive to that because guess what? If it looks like we have everything together, then why do people need to support us? Why do they need to help us? What's the point? It's way better to just say, hey, guys, let's build this together. Let's do this together um, and empower people. I think they love that. I, uh, I think there is a, a known evil in the world, and I don't know if you are you know, susceptible for this, but this, it's, I feel it. It's like this, this thing that says I have to be rich. I have to have this car. I have to live this certain lifestyle. I have to have all these things that, that I don't, you know, otherwise I'm not successful. Right. And, and it's almost like this thing that's kind of out there always in front of me. And just recently, to be honest, I turned around and, uh, and I looked around and I said, wow, who told me that lie? Um, I have so many things. I have chia seeds that I can drink. I have, you know, organic food that I can eat. Uh, my friend loaned me this beautiful bell that I could ring for meditation. Um, I have people that, you know, I'm reaching out on LinkedIn now and they respond and say, Anina, I've been following you for so many years because I've been doing fashion tech for 10 years. Um, 
and they're like, wow, it's really impressive what you're doing. I'm so, so happy for you. I'll totally support you. And uh, I looked around and I said, I have a lot of things. And I think I need to be waking up saying thank you for all these amazing things. Yeah, maybe I don't live in a huge house. Uh, maybe I don't have a car, um, a Tesla. Uh, I would love one, but you know, maybe I will never have that. But one thing is for sure is that, you know, I'm building robotic dresses in a robot and I'm, you know, doing stuff that, that not a lot of people do. And I wake up, I leap up every day and I get up and I, and I'm like, I gotta edit those videos because we have this amazing online summit with these incredible speakers that have been teaching me about unconscious bias and about what can I do to bring more uh, diversity into my business and uh, and what does fashion tech mean and are we ready for it and um, you know what technologies are out there that we can use I mean I'm like leaping up to to get this information out there so that more people can benefit from it and that I can highlight those people but I think really it starts the day with thank you for what I have rather than this evil of you know i need to have that 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 hollywood movie lifestyle of entourage <laughs> right exactly you know i think um all the texts that you can read on happiness and all the you know professionals that you can speak to and all the things that you can do to really go on your journey to figure out how to be happy one of the top five things is going to be gratitude it just is essential. Um, we are wired to be grateful for the things that we have. It, what's, it's what makes us intellectual beings. And I think that one of the things that I think is a little bit underserved in our society is, you know, the idea of paying it forward. You know, a lot of people kind of wait until they need something and then they put feelers out, they put stuff out there and then they wonder why eh, they get sort of a tepid response from people. And I think it's really the people that are grateful that pay it forward, that are constantly giving an inordinate amount of value out there and thanking people and, you know, supporting people and doing whatever it is that they can to put positive vibes. It's those people that I think when they actually need it, it sort of just comes to them. And I think that, you know, I, I try to think about that constantly because it's very easy for all of us to get stuck into our own worlds where we have our goals, we have our own purpose. You know, we'd love to do X, Y, and Z, and we're not necessarily think what the what the other person does or what they want. Um, so I think it's a good mantra to live by: be thankful and to pay it forward. You know, it's a cliche, but it's true. But don't you have, as an entrepreneur, I mean, maybe you're already a multi-billion-dollar success case from your 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 past ventures. But I feel this incredible pressure that unless I IPO and sell my company and get venture capital and, uh, and, and follow that path that, uh, that I'm not successful. And if I'm not rich, I'm not successful. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's so many aspects of our society and of what the definitions of being successful and being accomplished, what they're associated with is that financial goal. And um, to a certain extent, I mean, look, it makes sense. I mean, you know, money solves money problems. It doesn't solve all problems. It solves money problems. 
and we all need it in order to accomplish the things that we want and to travel um, and to do all these great things. Um, but but you know that that said, I think that um, you know there's 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 a there's a there's a greater purpose that we have, and if we don't accomplish that purpose and if we don't stay on that path, then we're never going to really feel that element of fulfillment. And I think that the ideal situation is where you have it all. You, there's no compromise and you get everything that you want. You get the um, friends slash family, you get the your needs taken care of, you're living the life and you're on your purpose and you're giving back in some capacity. So, you know, I say don't sacrifice and don't give up until you get that. But at the same time, don't go crazy on the way there. Make sure you're enjoying every single moment. And knowing that, you know, maybe you do get the Tesla, maybe you don't. Either way, you're good, you know? I think that uh, a lot, what I was speaking with lots of people about at the Diversity Summit is that um, uh, a lot of women, uh, they, you know, they have this first, they have this thing that is, um, they feel like they're imposters. Somehow, Ruben, no. I don't think you ever feel like you're an imposter, but it's true. No matter how many, how many awards, Ruben, how many, one day I had to ask myself, Anina, how many, how bigger can you get than CCTV at midnight, you know, 162 gloves that you built for, for Intel, you know, to 1.3 billion people. I mean, can I get bigger than that? And, and there was the same thing in modeling. I was like, how many more covers can I be on? Uh, how many more, you know, billboards can I be on? When will I, you know, feel that I have accomplished something? And so I think that that there's this sort of um, difference in maybe how you're raised and how I'm raised, but somehow I end up, you know, having this. Uh, you know, this um, imposter syndrome, you know, like uh, one, one time this, uh, this one girl, this troll, she wrote me and she said, uh, I'm going to expose you. You, you didn't make your wallets. And I was like, what? I, I have pictures of me in 360 video standing in, in, in tons of leather, picking out leathers and 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 my friend Olga is like you know up there and she's like I got the Michael Kors leather you know and and all of this stuff but isn't it funny that like one little troll like suddenly could could make me think like oh maybe I didn't make these wallets like maybe I didn't solder the cables together of course I worked with the factory but I was there in the bloody you know in the place like like sorting all of that out so I just really want to say to people, and especially to other women who build things, that um, it takes more than one person. It takes really a team and a group effort. No one person can do, you know, I can do a lot, but I still need a group of people to do it. Whether it's the, you know, the guy who takes the trash, you know, I can take it to the curb, but then somebody has to trek it the other mile. There is no one thing in this world that we can do alone. And, and I think that this feeling of being alone is, a, is another illness of our society. And that's why I'm really proud to bring people together, uh, people that are very diverse, very different, 
uh, from different aspects, from corporates to startups, to fashion designers, to um, educators, to bring them all together because fashion technology can only be created together. There is no one, it's a link, it's a circle, it's a chain. You know, I picked out the leather, somebody soldered the wires, you know, Caroline, you know, found the best thing that wouldn't scratch here. You know, she tested every single one. And now, you know, it's a, it's a whole chain. And I'm sure that you have also your whole team that you work together with. And, and I think that, that we need to realize that we don't have to do it all by ourselves. Well, um, my response to that is number one is that haters will make you rich. <laughs> okay, so let's start with that. You need haters. If you don't have haters, you're not actually doing something right. So congratulations, you're doing something right because there's just some people out there that are looking for a response. They're looking for a reaction and they're looking to just kind of ruffle feathers and that gives that gives them a little kick. And you know, it's all good. You know, I would say don't take it personally. Um, there's nothing about you that's a quote unquote imposter. That's that's nonsense. That doesn't make any sense. We all feel that sometimes when I'm, you know, on Hollywood Boulevard and we're shooting some video and I'm trying to portray like I'm some expert in, you know, this or that and the other thing, I feel that too. And I and I say to myself, why am I feeling this? And I think it's just humility masked you know, in um, slightly more passionate emotions, you know, as, as long as we're honest, as long as we're authentic, as long as we're on our purpose, as long as we're being good, I think there's no reason to feel that way. Um, you know, to a certain extent, I think it's good. It just means that we're grounded, you know? And I think that we really need to be more open as entrepreneurs because it is like, we are scaling the mountains. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, some days I'm, I feel like I'm blinded in the dark. I'm doing things that no one ever did it before or no one I know that ever did it before. Or I don't even know anybody who knows how to do it because if I knew, I'd go ask them to help me, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think as entrepreneurs, even you building Dub, I mean, you must suddenly have tons of competitors and cloners and, and people. I, I saw it. I saw it. But you know, your interface, the way that your team responds, uh, the, the help that they give, the overtime that you're doing right now. Um, I mean, I think those are the things that build successful companies. And, uh, and so, you know, Ruben, I'm so delighted that you would be a sponsor at Diversity Meets Technology in our hackathon. Thank you so much. And I'm super honored to be on your show and that I can you know, get the word out about this weekend's, uh, my first online summit on a very important topic of diversity and inclusion, and also hopefully invite awesome people that are in your network to come check out on September 8th and 9th, the, in New York City, the robotic dresses and IOT clothing and fashion technology and, uh, Bring some young girls and, and your wife. <laughs> well, listen, give me some plugs. Give me some web addresses. Um, where can people find the online summit? DiversitySummit.360Fashion.net. Okay, got it. 
And then, and then the event in uh, September in New York. I haven't built the website yet. We'll get okay. the webpage up very soon, and then you can um, apply uh, and you know put your email in, and then I will build that all out. Okay, but I cool. Have to go assemble like a shit ton of you know electronics this weekend because we have these amazing robotic dresses. Like when you see them. The designers have been doing things that are super spectacular. It's pretty amazing. And then where can we see some pictures of those? Soon. Pay attention to our social media channels at 360 Fashion on Twitter, Facebook, and my Instagram at Anina Net. Perfect. Anina, this was such a pleasure. I really appreciate your time. Ruben, I'm a super, super fan of yours, a great admirer. You give me a lot of um, encouragement, and I love your tips, and I really do love Dub. And I, I just think that it's a great tool that you're building, and I'm certainly benefiting from it. And thank you for this interview today. <laughs> Thanks so much. Really appreciate that. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.